Do you want to reach your next level in business and health? Do you need help unlocking your potential and taking action? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Empowered Life Podcast, a podcast that empowers women to change physically, emotionally, and financially, and to live a life they love. Now, here's your host, Lisa Pizek. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Empowered Life Podcast. Lisa Pizek here, and I'm so excited to have my friend Candy Barone with me today. Candy, welcome. So glad you're here. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for having me. And I just, I love your energy and I love the whole empowered um, space that you play in. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and, and you're welcome. And I'm so excited to have Candy. Let me tell you about her because let me just precursor this by saying when I met Candy, I was instantly drawn to her energy. I was instantly drawn to her as a person showing up, leading with love, supporting other women. And we're going to dig into that today because a lot of times many of you have experienced in the workplace not some supportive women people that don't want to see you succeed. And I don't know about you, but I always had a hard time wrapping my head around that. Why wouldn't we be supportive and positive and happy for other people? But again, sometimes people are not like that and that's what makes the world go around, unfortunately. But when I met Candy, I was drawn to her love of supporting women, um, making these heart-centered leaders realize that when you lead from your heart, you lead from your soul, that's when the magic really happens. So let me tell you about Candy. Candy's the CEO of You Empowered Strong. How awesome is that that I have her on this Empowered Life podcast? She's a leadership development expert, trainer, and coach, as well as an international speaker, Amazon best-selling author, and the Pull No Punches Accountability Powerhouse. That is your baby, Candy. And I love that, right? Because so many times we let excuses get in our way. You work at bringing the heart back to leadership. You've got 20 years in corporate. You've got your degree, your bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. You are a black belt. Look out, everybody. She's a black belt. Well, let's just qualify that. <laughs> okay, amazing, amazing, amazing. And you do a lot of work with leaders, teams, um, and you were, uh, one thing I want to pick out here, you were a 2014-2015 VIP Woman of the Year Award, which is pretty amazing, right? You've got to be a pretty outstanding kind of woman to get a VIP award. But I think you can agree with me that you are able to achieve what you can achieve through helping others, right? You get these awards from the work that you do by serving other leaders, serving other women, serving other teams, which is kind of the heart of what you do, right? So many people get to the top and they think it was just about them, that they made their own way to the top. Where sometimes when we say, no, it's the team that helped us get there. It's helping other people achieve their goals that helps us achieve our goals. So that teamwork, that heart leadership, that staying focused, that energy that you need to have to give and serve to others, that's the kind of stuff that I really want to start talking about because so many women sit back and go, I'm set up to fail. I can't be a leader. 
I work in a toxic environment. I've got these biases or excuses in my own brain as to why I can't do the things that I want to do. And I want to dig in to help people kind of overcome some of that. So one thing that you've kind of branded is this whole concept of noise, destroying the noise. And I love that it's not like push the noise to the side, sweep it under the carpet. It's like, no, get real people, destroy the noise when you want something in your life. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you that everything I do comes with a very purposeful punch, um, which is the whole tag for destroy the noise, right? And I have to go back first before I can talk about the noise around where that the space of leadership, right? And it's all about the fact that leadership is a choice because we get into this part of the noise we believe into or we buy into is leaders are either born or they're created. Like you've been tagged with some special magic wand that says, Lisa, you were deemed a leader because you were born with the qualities and characteristics or wow, you are the chosen few that's going to get guidance and light and all these skills. BS. And I want to call foul on that because it gives everyone a reason to cop out. And so when you realize that leadership is a choice, it's a choice in how you choose to show up, how you choose to serve others, and how you choose to take personal responsibility inside that space, then you put yourself in a position not only to say yes to yourself, but to destroy the rest of the noise that's getting in your way. So you first have to acknowledge that leadership's a choice that it is your responsibility to use the gifts that were given to you to play in that space full out and authentically and that you are to take responsibility for what you believe what you think what you expect what you say what you do because you are the only person that can control that you can't control it for someone else so then when you get clear about that are you positioned to say then how do i destroy the noise getting in the way and you can blame it on 20 years of corporate but everything I do has kind of an acronym to it too right even my company you empowered strong spells yes yes say yes to yourself right it's noise is no different so noise the fundamental components of noise are five pieces first is the N which is the negative self-talk filter and frames we are creating we get very clear on self-talk right but we don't realize that we're inadvertently putting these other frames and filters that are getting in our way in terms of how we show up, engage with others and communicate. And it might even be something as simple as, I'm not an expert enough or they can't afford me. So we don't show up playing full out to let someone else decide. So we steal their permission. And so that becomes a negative block in terms of someone getting to decide how to engage with us fully, how to take value from us, how to whatever else, right? So the N is that negative self-talk filters and frames, and there's a whole slew of stuff in there. The O then is all around the opinions of others. You choose, and I cannot stress that word enough, choose to internalize. So that's both the naysayers, which oftentimes are easy to go, okay, I don't need this negative stuff. But what about the well-intentioned people that say, but I love you. I want to protect you. They are getting in your way for stepping out and taking risks and putting full momentum forward. And you're not getting uncomfortable because you're letting someone else create this false protective bubble around you. I is the inefficiencies you are creating in your daily activities. This is the wasted space on your calendar. And I always say it comes from two baby eyes 
One is the inability to say no to the things that don't serve you. So you got to say yes to yourself so that you can know what doesn't serve you. And the other eye, and this is tricky for people, the other eye is the inability to properly qualify and dequalify both opportunities and people showing up. We get really excited. I'm the biggest uh, violator of the shiny squirrel syndrome. And so I'm like, ooh, and it's an opportunity, not realizing that I have strategies and filters to qualify and dequalify whether or not I should be putting my energy. Because we create this wasted space, right? Which then takes us into the S, which is the shooting and shaming you're doing all over yourself. And yes, people hear something when I say that, when you're shooting all over yourself, there's your brain does something, because it is, you're burying yourselves in layers deep with, I should, 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 I should. Ooh, that's exhausting. And then the last piece is the E, which is the excuses we create and perpetuate. And I say that they usually stem from four categories. The fear of criticism or judgment, the fear of money, the fear of failure, which more times than not is the fear of success, and the fear of rejection. I'm so afraid of the no. And there's clear strategies inside of each one of those to help you break down those barriers and truly destroy the no. Wow. Okay. So I've been <laughs> for about seven hours on this podcast, um, which is ama like amazing, right? And I love that you have it in frameworks, though, because yes, that's your corporate your corporate background. But that's how people learn too, when they can like break it down systematically. Cause so many times we hear these airy fairy, like just take the first step or um, like I was talking to Alex last week, just face your fears. And you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Just put yourself out there. And you're like, I need something concrete that I can wrap my head around and go and do right. But one thing that hugely jumped out at me was, all of this requires energy, whether it's good energy or bad energy. Like you're doing those negative frames, that negative self-talk, you're creating that little bubble, you're overanalyzing things, you're wasting your space, you're shaming yourself, you're criticizing, like that's all energy, right? You don't, you don't maybe don't realize you're burning the fumes there, you know, you're burning your mental power where it's like, if you were just focusing on the positive or focusing on what you can control, going back to your choices, you might get a different result, right? It's like whatever you feed, that's what's going to grow. You feed that negativity, that's what's going to grow. You feed that positivity, that's what's going to grow. So I think this whole um, negative self-talk and frames, just that end that you start with, I think is huge, right? And we talk about, you talk about heart-centered leaders and, you know, coming from the soul and getting down to your values. How do your values kind of help you when it comes to that negative loop starts and you don't think you're good enough, you don't think you're worthy enough, you make that preconceived notion that people are going to judge you and all those things you talked about what should somebody do when that negative noise starts in their head and that starts to take over? What's like the first thing or the one thing they could do? Yeah, I would say the first and foremost thing, I mean, if obviously is the awareness that they're doing it, right? I mean, you always start with awareness. Any 12, 13, five-step program starts with awareness. <laughs> so if you're recognizing that, the first thing I would do is literally hit the pause button and say, do I believe that? 
Do I believe that? And if I do, if I really believe that, is it 100% true? Because here's the power of the what if when you change the what if from the, oh, the sky is falling doomsday, the way that most people play what if, and play what if like when you were a kid, what if make believe. And so then I always tell people, ask the question, what if I didn't? What if I choose to believe something else? If that's not 100% accurate, or there's any chance that something else could be real, what if, what if for just this moment, I entertain the idea that what if I am worthy? What if I am a freaking rock star? What if I am blah, 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 blah? What if somebody really needs me right now? What if? And if you can play a what if game, that can change everything because it's really hard because like you said it's energy and I tell people all the time it takes the same amount and actually it takes more energy when you're playing the doomsday what if oh my god the sky is falling what if I fail what if I suck what if they hate me what if they blah 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 because in that space you actually have to create and manifest a bs story to go with it you have to make up a story to make that real because nine times out of 10, 99.9% .9 of the time, that has never, ever, ever happened to you to begin with. So you are making up a story, whereas this other what if has already been a seed that's been planted inside. Of you. It's already this thing that gives you fire and passion and it's already been like kind of marinating. It, it actually takes less energy to just go, what if I just let that grow? What if I just played in that space, stop adulting for five minutes and play in that space? What if, and I tell people all the time, I'm a lazy high performer. And people are like, what? I'm like, I'm a lazy high performer. I want to get there the fastest way possible and I am not gonna do a uh, like, line like this when I can go diagonal and go straight. So if it takes more energy to play in this space that's negative and gloom and I gotta create a story to go with it, I'm gonna play in a space that gives me more energy back. Mm. It's like the frowning, smiling thing, right? Mm. I think I read somewhere it takes 91 muscles to frown and it takes seven to smile, right? So people are like, why do you smile all the time? Because I'm lazy. <laughs> lazy high performer. <laughs> it absolutely takes less work for me to smile. So I wanna play in a space that is allowing me to use my energy in the best way possible. And it all starts with changing your what if. Totally, and in this day and age, that's what we want. We want things faster, we want things quicker, we want accelerated results. But so many people don't realize that that relates to energy, that relates to the path that you choose. And one thing that came up for me when you were talking about play, like stop adulting and just play a little bit, it goes back to that metaphor about kids, right? Like when kids are learning to walk, like they say, they fall 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times and they never get mad. They never are like, maybe I shouldn't do this walking thing. It's like they fall, they giggle, they get up, they learn in a different, like they just keep going right? It's not until uh, they get around like my little guy's age now, three and a half, four, where they start to see when us adults start to go, oh, don't do it that way. Oh, oh be careful. Oh. Then they start seeing our reactions or our dislikes or our worries. And that makes them second guess. When they're so little, they just fall all over the place, face plant, go and do their thing and just keep going until they get it. So I think it's a great analogy that it's like, 
stop adulting, allow your brain to be a little bit imaginative, imaginative, is that a word? Imaginative. We'll make it a word now. And think about that what if, right? Choose a different path. I think that's huge. So for you in corporate, you had to like bust down some doors, punch down some doors. You love that punch stuff, right? You had to punch and kick down some doors. Uh, to get to where you are. And I, I would imagine there were a lot of biases and judgment and, and that sort of stuff maybe that you encountered um, in your course of getting to where you are now. So at any time in your career, did you have those doubts where you were like, I ain't going to cut it. This isn't for me. I should take, you know, that negative, take a different path. I should just pull back and go do something easier. I should take the easy road. Didn't you talk about that somewhere in here? The comfortable people in the bubble, right? I should stay in that comfortable space. Tell me about a time. How did you get over that? Or tell me about, you know, did that ever happen to you? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, I would say um, this is, might be a strange answer, but I've always had like split personality disorder where this comes from. Um, I don't think I'm wired to take the easy road. I've actually purposely taken the most challenging, complicated, really human punching bag, knockdown, drag out. Like there was this wiring that said, if it's not something I got to sit there and fight with, if it's not something that I got to like see if I can take the hit and bounce back up, then it's not even worth my time. I got so ingrained in my head, no pain, no gain, that I literally went after those environments that like everybody said, no way, no how, not touching it. And I was like, game on. And cases where it wasn't a smart move, it wasn't. And so I had this desire, one, to prove something that actually cost me a lot later on. It cost me some burnout and everything else. But it was also, I mean, starting my career out as a mechanical engineer, it, there was me and 25 guys in my sales training class when I moved out of engineering into sales because I was working for Johnson Controls at the time and we're talking technical sales. Mm-hmm. So it was a very um, interesting environment that I, one, told myself I had to play like the boys, be like the boys, speak like the boys, act like the boys, you name it. And I was going to be the first one to step up because I had to prove I wasn't soft. And so there was this space. um, But at the same time, and here's the split personality, because people see the top surface where they see me like this, right? I got my hands up. I'm in the fight stance. But what they don't realize, and I always said it was to my advantage that I'm only 5'2", and that I can't knock tables, but I've gotten really good at controlling my upper body and looking poised and in control and like I got my stuff together. And then I'm the duck underwater going, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. They're going to find out I'm a big fraud. I don't know what I'm talking about. Holy cow, I want to go home and throw up. I can't believe I'm doing this. What is coming out of my mouth at this time? And my legs would literally just go. I have... um. I'm always playing with things in my hands, whether I used to click pens all the time. I have stress balls because it's a way for me to get those legs like whoosh. And so I've learned how to channel that. But I have to say, I go between the I'm superhero, whatever, and I can go conquer the world. And oh my God, who the hell do I think I am? And Candy, did you just say that? What came out of your mouth? And I had several incidents with that, with managers, with um, colleagues where then I had to decide, because several times I would say something Mm. that would not be expected because Mm. I was a woman in that role. And I would go, okay, 
I can do what's expected and apologize because that's one of the ways women create that negative self-talk filter and frame is they start sentences with I'm sorry and they apologize when they were being intentional. And so I had an instance, for example, with a GM at one of my jobs and I very much met, he was six foot eight, I was five foot two and I met him head to head. And something flew out of my mouth, the right thing at the right time. And I went, oh my God, I'm gonna be fired tomorrow. Cause it was, I really pushed back on him. And I looked around the room and all my colleagues were there and I went, I have two things I can do right now. And we'd had a couple cocktails and some other things. And I go, I can sit here and do what they expect, which is, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Or I can do what I did, which was I picked up my drink. I looked at every single person in the room and made eye contact and took a swig back. And I sat down, crossed my legs and went, I was dying inside, but I held my space. Yep. The respect I got after changed drastically yeah. because I chose to own my voice and I chose to keep integrity in my intention. Yeah. I meant what I said and I was not going to let myself, and notice that I said myself, bully me because they weren't going to bully me. I was going to bully me yeah. and tell myself that I shouldn't have done that and have the shame and I absolutely should have done that. And it changed the trajectory. That moment actually was a big trajectory changer in my career because I was like, wow, I do have a voice and I have a worthiness in stepping into it and being in integrity with the intention that I put out there. Yeah, I, I like, I, you can't see my arms, but I have goosebumps, right? It makes me think of, I read Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, and she talks mm -hmm. about sit at the table talks about so many meetings that she went to where the men were around the table and the women were invited, but the women would take a seat away from the table. And we have to stop doing that. We have to start sitting at the table. We have to start making a space for ourselves. We gotta pull the chair up and say, my voice is important, my voice matters. And you talk about, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, about well, I was gonna say to that point, I gotta interject. Yeah, yeah. I was a person, I would literally show up to meetings two minutes early so that I could sit in the center of the table, take up as much space as they did, belly up and be ready when they came in the room. I absolutely wanted front and center at the table. Yeah. And it's like Brendan talks about, go where the puck, what did he say? Go where the puck is. is go where the puck is. Go where the puck is. Like you said, get there early. Even if you in your brain don't believe like if you got to fake it till you make it kind of thing almost thing right like if you're like uh oh i'm really nervous i'm really scared but like you said get there pull yourself up to the table and now you've put yourself in a position where you're like well damn i'm here i better show up now i claimed my space it's like almost put yourself there before you can talk yourself out of it yeah, you do realize I wanted to do Brendan's, I'm here. And you said that, you're like, I'm here. I just told you are, I'm here. Right? But it's like, that's so powerful to think that way or to say that. Like, I'm here, I'm showing up, I'm owning it, I'm owning my voice. And, you know, you talked a bit about integrity. And I think, again, that goes back to your heart center, leading with your heart, leading with your soul. Um, have there been other times where, your integrity has been has been challenged in your course of this or have there been times where you're like i should do this but my gut and my heart is telling me i should do this and how did you kind of navigate how do you navigate with your integrity how do you always choose your integrity first because as you said at the end of the day 
It's your voice. It's your integrity. Nobody can ever take those things away from you. So how do you navigate and lead with your integrity first? Yeah, I had a really um, good example of that my very first job out of college. I was um, recruited and selected um, right away. Um, I went out to a city I had never uh, visited before, let alone was there. And let me just say, it was absolutely an environment that did not serve. Not only was the city not the right fit for me and the cultural just struggle and say, it was just a, it was just not a place I would ever willingly move to again. In addition, the company that I took my first job with really practiced, um, had practices that were definitely out of alignment with my own integrity, were very um, morally challenging for me. Um, I was miserable. They literally had never had a female with a professional degree in their office. And um, so there was many, many layers of what didn't feel right. In fact, I had a mentor of mine tell me to keep a CYA journal that I thought was crazy. He goes, you document everything you do in conversation, to which actually turned out at one point when my boss came in and was like, did you reach out to this mechanical contractor? And I said, yes. He goes, I don't think you did. And I flipped my notebook and said, this date, 9 a.m., here's what I asked, here's what he said, here's the follow-up. Um, so it was just really out of integrity on so many levels. The way we went after clients, um, the whole being in bed with clients was just so, I would go home with gut-wrenching, um, I would cry every lunch hour, I would go home with these gut-wrenching, yet it was my first job out of college, right? And I'm supposed to be grateful for the fact that I got a, an engineering job that pays me like this, and it moved me and all these things, and it was getting close to the holidays that year, and I'd been there, I'd moved in in a blizzard, was blizzarding again the weather was awful and it was just one of those that as I was getting close to the Christmas holiday I went there's I can't be here during the holidays it will kill me mm -hmm. and I literally walked in and I gave my notice without having another job um, December 14th and I said I'm done and I packed up my apartment and had a friend come out to join me and we drove a truck back to my mom's where I told myself I will get a job within a month. By the end of January, I was working for another company. Um, but it was such a moment to test my own integrity. Mm -hmm. I had to test the fact that, one, did I really think I was smart enough to figure it out to walk away? Um, but it's your first job out of college. I got college loans up the wazoo. I got car payments. I've got, and everybody's judging me. Everybody's going, oh, you copped out. You could, you're a female engineer that couldn't make it. You're this, you're that, right? Because that's the first thing people are, I'm assuming what they're going to imagine. And it was the absolute best decision I could have made. It was killing me to be in that job, not only from the levels of stress and what was expected and the, the just disproportion roles and tasks, but also the fact that I literally felt like I had to practice CYA and I had to cover my bases and would make me physically ill knowing what we were doing with clients. And that for me, I'm like, there's no job on this planet that's worth me giving up my integrity and what's worth. And so I walked away 11 months, 10 days after I started and uh, I had nothing to fall back on. Promised my mother I would not live with her longer than a month. I was out by June 15th or January 15th and started my new job January 30th. So it was just one of those opportunities that you get. You have to look yourself in the eye sometimes. I tell that to people that are stuck, whether they're in corporate or other companies, they're like, I couldn't leave. Then stop complaining. 
that's that destroy the noise. If you're not happy, but you're not willing to change, there's not anything I can do to help you. I can't move you out of your own way for you. And if you want to complain and talk about how a company's culture is this, this, and this, and it's not aligned with who you are, then leave. Amen. There is over a half a million billion companies that have 20 plus employees in the US alone. You can find another space, start your own, but have the courage to stand in integrity. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, I know we were chatting a little bit before we hopped on, you know, and started officially recording this, but we were talking about how stress can age you and how you can be 30, but look 60 or be 40, but feel like you're 90. And it's like, if you think back to, if you would have stayed, how many years ago was that that you left that job? First job out of, now, now I'm asking. First job, are you, I'm going to be 44 this year. So my first job would have been 22 years ago. Right. <laughs> first real job. That's not counting interns and summer jobs and whatever. Yeah, it was about 20 plus years ago. Yeah. So 22. I grew up, you know, with my parents in that era of blue collar worker, keep your head down, be thankful for a job, don't make waves, doesn't matter if it's not in line, you know, just a different era where you, you were in the depression. Like you say, you were thankful for a job. It's not like that now. Like you said, you are not stuck. You can find a job anywhere if you're willing to bust your butt and put yourself out there. But think about if you stayed in that job 22, where do you think your life would be right now if you stayed in that job for 22 years? Um, it would have been where I, I would have had my rock bottom moment much earlier and I probably would be in a grave. I started doing some very, um, later in my career as a coping mechanism for stress and other things, I started creating these very obsessive, compulsive, almost addictive behaviors that were everything from emotionally binge eating to drinking too much alcohol to taking fat burners because I was mad because I was doing this. I would yo-yo in my weight from a size six to 18 in six months back and forth many times. I'd go on shopping spurges. I'd go, everything I did was this very intense, all or nothing, extreme addictive behavior that would have taken root much earlier and it probably would have had even more detrimental effects I can't even imagine especially because of the place I'm at now and and walking away from those environments um, I don't understand how you can do that for so long I mean I've seen it I've seen colleagues I've seen people who literally have lost themselves so far down and I always say there's three levels there's burnout there's fumes and then there's this place of black abyss and I've danced in the black abyss before and it's it's a space that gets really wow it, it's and to be there for 22 years I can't imagine that I would be here or if I was I'd be such, such a shell of who I was that because once you compromise your core values, once you compromise your own integrity, it's a very fast, slippery slope into that black abyss. Mm -hmm. And when you are willing to sell your soul, um, and yes, that's an expression, but sell your soul for a dollar, for you're willing to compromise just about anything. And that means your relationships, your family, your health, your wellness, your peace of mind. Um, I can't. I can't even wrap my head around that truthfully. That's not even a what if yeah. I can play. It's just not because I, I know what rock bottom look like and to be in that space and still be there now, mm. I, can't, I can't even imagine what that would look like. 
you know, and you wouldn't really be living. That's what was like yeah. jumping out at me. It's like you would be making an earning and you would be living, but would you really be no, living? Right? And how many people are doing that? They're not, they're alive. Their heart is beating. We're talking about heart-centered leaders. You have a heart, you have lungs, you have legs that are carrying you, but are you really living? Are you really happy? And you talk about, you know, that those addictive, you know, that, that black hole and that space that you got into, it's like you're numbing, you're numbing something in your life or you're desperately trying to prove something in your life. So it's like, if you have, we've, you know, we've all had experiences, I think where we've, we've done that and we've been there. Some of us maybe have, and it's like, take note of that. If you're emotionally eating, if you're obsessive with something, if you're numbing something or trying to prove something, there's probably something deeper in there that you're not addressing, right? Like you talk about that shell. Those were, that was that outside shell that people were seeing, not that inside. This job is not in line with my integrity. This doesn't feel right to me, yeah. right? And so many times people go, this doesn't feel right to me, but it pays well, I'm comfortable, I should be doing this. People are looking, like you said, people are looking at me, people are looking up to me, people are, you know, people are judging me, and there's all these reasons why, you know, you should stay, but you can't, because you're not really living. And think about, to me, it makes me think, think about that long term. If you're not happy, and you're like, oh my God, five years from now, what is my life going to look like? Yeah. If that isn't the life you want to live, then you got to start making some changes now, right? Yeah. So tell me about life now. So you are an entrepreneur, you run, you're doing this amazing summit. Tell me a little bit about the summit that you're doing. Yeah, so I do. I have my own business now and I get to go out, right? I get to go out in spaces that really need help. It's, and especially for like the mid to upper level managers and leaders of large organizations, corporate, um, they got a lot that's coming downhill and they got a lot that's coming up and they're that space in the middle. A lot of times it doesn't get enough support. They don't get enough resources. They don't get to look at the choices that they have available to make different decisions. And so with that, over the last, you know, several years that I've been working on, you know, my business and pulling these resources together and doing these training workshops and these amazing spaces, I am launching the Leaders Empowered Strong Summit in Milwaukee, August 9th through 11th, which is that space to bring those leaders, those leaders that are leaders of leaders, that are the trainers and doing leadership development, that are growing emerging leaders in their companies, that are out recruiting and hiring new talent. I'm bringing those leaders to the table to not only do the work that I do with individual companies, but we're going deeper. And we're gonna talk about questions that aren't being addressed. We're going to have the real conversation that needs to be had and it's going to be at a very soul level. Um, they're going to get vulnerable. We're going to be highly interactive. It's highly engaged um, and I'm super excited about it. It's uh, incredible, incredible space. I have some amazing guests coming. I have some amazing people that are already signed up to attend, um, companies from like GE, you know, Northwestern Mutual, um, you're talking some big companies, Clavergirl, whatever, that are there that are um, playing full out and they're ready to level up what it looks like to grow new leaders and, and grow emerging leaders and bring some heart back into the workplace, right? I, I tell people all the time, I challenge them, imagine for just a moment let these words just kind of wash over you 
How, what do you feel? What do you resonate with when you hear, what if you could lead from love with love? And when you start to realize that you can, and what does that look like from an organizational standpoint? How do you provide that space? That's the conversation we're going to have at the summit. So that's huge. And I think about what jumps out at me for you saying that is, you know, sometimes people say, oh, well, it's only eight hours of my day. It's only my nine to five. People don't realize how much their work impacts their life. For some people, they see their colleagues more than they see their family. Those are experiences that people, whether you like it or not, those experiences are molding you day in and day out. So what jumps out at me is where, A, you're teaching leaders how to have more heart and create more positive growth-like environments, but then B, that really impacts everybody because whether you are a corporate leader or you're just a player on the team, wherever you work, your environment is so huge, right? And the people that you're impacting around you and those messages that you're taking in is so important. And if it's not from a place of integrity, not from a place of love, not willing to dig in and ask those deep questions or be transparent, so many companies, they don't want to pull the shade back and say, we have real issues here. It's like, no, 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 everything's perfect. And it's not, right? It's not. I get a lot of that in my job. I teach and we're government funded, but I don't work for the government. But people are hesitant to have me in sometimes because they think I work for the government. And they're like, oh, oh, like we don't want the government coming in and looking at our books and looking at our things. And I'm like, no, 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 calm down. I'm an educator. Like I'm not from the government, but they don't, sometimes people don't want to let people in. Right. When really, like you said, you've got to have those honest, real conversations. If you want to make change, you've got to go back to integrity and values. If you really want to have some growth and some good conversations. So I just love yeah, we call that and not in the training that it's around the courageous connected conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because we've also become this culture both in the workplace, but just in general, where we complain and commiserate, we don't connect and communicate. And so we walk around going, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I'm so blah, blah, blah. My life sucks. And someone's like, Oh, you think your life sucks? Let me tell you how bad my life sucks. And it's like, we have this whole new metric for success of who can out suck who. Instead of opening up a space to say, what's the conversation that needs to happen? And I, I struggle mightily, and I did when I was in corporate, that whenever HR would put things out that says manage conflict in the workplace, it was all about eliminating and pushing conflict out instead of realizing you cannot communicate without conflict. People have differing perspectives, experiences, expertise, opinions. How do you instead invite healthy conflict and have people trained, equipped, and resources to facilitate the appropriate level of healthy conflict so that you actually can have the conversation when you're together instead of the hallway conversation that doesn't get anything accomplished. And then it's the he said, she said behind the scenes murmuring instead of showing up in a space where you know you have an open playing field, you have a playing field. And, and most organizations, the number one dysfunction for them is trust. Yep. And lack of trust. And so you have to create a space where people feel like they can be seen, valued, and heard. And until you have the courageous, connected conversation, mm. we're going to be doing a lot of, 
I'm so busy. My life sucks. No one hears me. No one values me. And you're never going to get anything done because all this stuff's happening in the hall. Totally. Totally. And that's the number one reason why people leave jobs, right? It's not for pay. It's not for, they don't like the environment. They don't like the people. They don't like the culture. They don't feel heard. They don't feel valued. They feel like they have to have these side conversations and they can't have these forward conversations. So, so if someone, so if you found yourself ready to have a side water cooler conversation, what should you do instead? Well, first and foremost is really hold people accountable in that conversation. So actually I would say first, manage your own energy in the conversation. Manage your venting, manage your participation because it gets really easy for us to get sucked in and commiserate. Oh, I know, I can't believe we just had another meeting. Oh, I know that instead of saying, so what can we do differently? And changing the conversation to say, then what conversation do we need to have? And are you willing to go with me to have a conversation? So be a voice for change, be a leader. It's all about that choose choice around leadership. Leaders don't sit there and commiserate and complain and get sucked into the drama and the gossip and the negativity. Leaders hold themselves and others around them accountable to the bigger conversation that needs to be had. So if you've got somebody coming up to you complaining about X, Y, and Z manager or meeting or whatever, my first responsibility usually, my first response usually is, so what was your role in that? Mm. And I used to have, I had an, an open door policy with my team that when I wasn't in meetings and my door was closed, then obviously it was closed for a reason, but otherwise you could come to me with anything. However, don't ever make me feel like I need to micromanage or that I'm being micromanaged and don't bring unnecessary drama without taking your fair share of responsibility. So if you're going to come in my office and say, so-and-so did this, my first response is, so what was your role in it? Even if it's just in how you're reacting, you are choosing to participate in something that doesn't serve. So tell me what you're gonna to choose to do that's different, that's gonna change this drama cycle that you just brought into my office, because I'm gonna tell you right now, you need to walk it right back out. Yep. And so it's that space of, and if they vetted that out and they don't know how to, then you come in and say, help me solution a better way to show up in this space because I'm struggling, regardless. It's about that accountability. And I have clients that'll call me sometimes and they're like, Candy, let me, because I always say, when you're being held accountable to something, if there is a need to justify, explain, discuss, or apologize, you are making an excuse. And so I will get clients that call and say, but Candy, let me, did you do your accountability? No, but let me explain. So you're going to give me an excuse. No, just hear me out. So you're going to give me an excuse. Candy, let me just, and we'll go through this five times. And then finally they get frustrated and they'll say, fine, I'm making an excuse. I go, good. Because now we can start from a place of truth. Call it what it is. Until you recognize, any way you lay this out, it's an excuse. Because then we can talk about what got in your way and what propelled you when you said this was your top priority. What stopped you from executing on what you said was the accountability you wanted to take? Because I'll get people to say, Candy, tell me what to do. Doesn't work that way. I'm going to coach you through options. And then I love when people go, that's it. That's it, Candy. And I'll say, that's what your words, you tell me what you're going to hold yourself accountable to. And then we move on. But it's that space of holding people to a higher level conversation. And if someone wants to justify it, they're giving you an excuse. Own your stuff. Call it what it is. Make sure we've got truth. And then we can figure out what caused that spiral, what caused that choice, 
but you had a choice all throughout that process. It's all choice. Mic drop, everybody. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. I love that, right? You're like, give me your excuse and I'll knock it down, baby, right? right? And that's what it's all about. I love that you said it's all about truth. Like, get to the root of stop the complaining, stop the bitching, get to the root <laughs> of then, right? You is, right? And you are not stuck if you get to the root. And you're in that flamey, black, awful place that you talked about. Get the heck out. Right. You have a choice at all times. I tell that to people when I'm up speaking in front of audiences. I'll use this demonstration. I said, for example, right now, if you're going, oh, who is that crazy woman on stage? Oh, my God. How did I get here? Guess what? No one's got a gun in your head. You're not being held hostage. You are a grown ass adult. Get out of your seat and go find something that serves you better for this hour. We waste so much time because we think we should stay put or God forbid, you know what? I'll applaud you. Oh my goodness. Get up and do something because here's the thing. I would get, I would offer that every speaker, even the bad ones have something to offer a value. That being said, if you're going to sit there the whole time and complain over the fact that you can't stand me, you're not going to hear that value at all. And then 45 minutes later, when you walk out, you're going to be like, oh my God, oh, oh. seriously? That's on you. That's on you for choosing to waste an hour of your time thinking your butt was glued to that seat or stapled or you got a gun to your head. When you have a choice to get up, and go find something that is more meaningful for that space in your life. Don't ever think, it's like the people that'll say, Candy, I had someone tell me this once. She's like, I wanna punch you for what you put on Facebook. She's like, sometimes you make me wanna punch you. I started laughing, I was like, that is so awesome. And I said to her, and she goes, you didn't hear me. And I said, I heard you. And she goes, no, I wanna punch you. And she just kept getting really frazzled. And I said, it's not me you wanna punch. And I said, but here's your choices. You can ignore what I post, you can, remove me from your feed, or you can send me a message to say what just triggered for you, and we can have a conversation that's gonna help you move past it. But notice how one, two, and three had nothing to do with me. Yeah. Anything I say is a data point. There's the engineer me kicking in, right? It's, a, it's what I teach people in the O, oh, the opinions of us. Data point, you choose to create an emotional attachment. You choose to participate. You choose to create drama, that it's a word. It's like when people use any, I'm like, it's a word. You are making it be whatever, which is why you need to have that communication to get clarification. Cause we make assumptions. That's part of the N and the O assumptions that we will say, well, that person meant this. Did you ask them that? Or are you assuming because that's how you define that word and because it triggered something for you emotionally that you automatically assumed X because you heard this word out of context and went ballistic. Own your stuff. It's all about taking personal responsibility. It's a choice. Everything is a choice. Amen. Dang. <laughs> oh, now I got my UPS guy speaking of real noise. My dog's going ballistic. Okay, talk about the noise. Hey, hey. And we got the dog. That's okay. It's all good. This is real to life. This is real to life. Oh, dang. Okay. So. If you want to learn more from Candy, how to destroy the noise, how to be more a heart-centered leader, 
anything that she can help you with, you can find her at www.candybarone, C-A-N-D-Y-B-A-R-O-N-E, international, I-N-T-E-R-N-E-T-A-O-N-A-L.com, or if you go to, she's got a free quiz, the quiz, right, that you can go yeah. to? Yeah. Dot say yes quiz say yes quiz dot com. It will help you get to those truths, get to the gaps, help you see the opportunities that you're missing because you're in your own dang way. So if this podcast did not inspire you to make a move, be true to yourself, lead with integrity, lead with the heart, and go do whatever the heck it is that you were meant to do, then you're dead, people. I don't know what else to think you, okay? So we are going to wrap it up there, Candy. Thank you so much for spending the last hour with me. You are amazing. Oh, thank you. This was so much fun. And I, I adore you so much, Lisa. <laughs> it is so much fun playing with you. It was just an absolute honor. You've been listening to the Empowered Life Podcast. For more free business and health training, go to www.lisapizik.com.